Welcome to our podcast. I'm Pastor Mark Voss. Today, the Lord Jesus warns us that our security in life and in death doesn't come from our riches, but from our Redeemer, the one who made us his own and comes to us in the gospel. Our sermon today is based on John chapter 16, verses 19 through 31. Our sermon is entitled, The Haves and the Have-Nots. God bless you as you hear and take to heart the truths of his holy word. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. I invite you to Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through 31, our sermon text this morning. And there Jesus said to each of us, There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen, living in luxury every day. A beggar named Lazarus had been laid at his gate. Lazarus was covered with sores and longed to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Besides this, the dogs also came and licked his sores. Eventually, the beggar died, and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In hell, where he was in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far away and Lazarus at his side. He called out and said, Father, Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, because I am in misery in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, Remember that in your lifetime you received your good things and Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in misery. Besides all this, a great chasm has been set in place between us and you so that those who want to cross from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He said, then I beg you, Father, Send him to my father's home, because I have five brothers to warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. Abraham replied to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, They will not be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. My dear family in Christ, what we have here in our text this morning certainly appears to be a classic example of the haves and the have-nots, the rich and the poor. The up and coming and the down and out. But of course, it shouldn't surprise you that there's much more to these words of Jesus than might at first meet the eye. What Jesus is sharing with us this morning is a story of the haves and the have-nots, but in a way that is infinitely more important than any usual measure of a person's life. We usually refer to the story as the parable of the rich man and poor Lazarus. 
You know, during their lives, those two men could not have been any different. As they lived their lives, they happened to live them at opposite ends of the social and economic spectrum. The rich man had it all. He didn't just have money. The rich man flaunted it. Jesus says he dressed in purple and fine linen, living in luxury every day. He was a jet-setter. He enjoyed the fine things in life. But Lazarus, he was forced to beg for food. He didn't have any. He didn't expect a, a place at the rich man's table, but he was hoping to at least have a few scraps that fell from it. Lazarus didn't have his health either. He was covered with painful sores. He didn't have the means for any kind of medical care, and so the dogs came regularly to lick his sores. They lived their lives at opposite ends of the social and economic spectrum, the haves and the have-nots. They were polar opposites in another way, too. The rich man and poor Lazarus served different masters in life. The rich man didn't just have money, he served money. He lived for his money. He loved his wealth and the luxury that he could afford, and, and the thought of using his money to help others to be a blessing to them apparently never occurred to him. He completely ignored that beggar who was placed at his gate day in and day out, the gate of his beautiful mansion. He was too busy serving his money. But Lazarus? Well, Lazarus didn't have any wealth to serve. Instead, he served his Lord. The name Lazarus here is likely a shortened form of the Hebrew name Eliezer, which means God is help. My God is my helper. In life, this rich man and poor Lazarus, this have and this have not, could not have been any more different. They were polar opposites. But not just in life. In death, too. Each man died, and suddenly everything was reversed. During his life, Lazarus had to be carried by acquaintances to the, the gate of this rich man's palace because he didn't have the strength to get there on his own or couldn't walk or whatever. But when he died, the Lord sent his holy angels to gather up the soul of poor Lazarus and carried that soul home to heaven, to the side of, of Abraham, there in heavenly glory. During his life, Lazarus, we're told, longed to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table, but not anymore. In death, by God's grace, Lazarus was seated at the heavenly banquet table where he would dine on the finest of foods and have the best of fare, never another care through endless eternity. Well, in contrast, the good things that the rich man had received in life were replaced with bad things, to put it mildly. His life of luxury was gone. And now he lived in ongoing comfortless agony. Gone were the fine meals that he dined on inside his earthly mansion. Now he had become the beggar. And he begs to have just a tiny drop of water to cool his tongue. His comfortable home had been replaced by hell's fire, where he would spend eternity 
in agony. Okay, why did Jesus tell this story? And why did the Holy Spirit see fit to have Luke write it down in his gospel for us? In other words, what's the lesson for us to learn from this story of the rich man and poor Lazarus? It's different than what you might think. I suppose that a person might read this account and walk away thinking that Jesus here is simply teaching us that we ought to use our money to help other people and be kind to them. And while that's true, and it is what the Bible teaches, in fact, that's what we heard last Sunday, right? To use our worldly wealth to make forever friends with the gospel. That's not the point that Jesus is making here. Someone might think that this story is telling us that if you're just good enough, if you're nice enough to other people while you live your life, if, if you try to do more good things than bad things, then eventually God will let you into heaven. But that's not at all what the Bible teaches. That certainly is not the lesson that Jesus has for us here this morning. So what is it? I guess you might say that Jesus told this parable for the benefit of the survivors. He told this parable for us, who, like the five brothers of this rich man, still have time, at least for now. So what is it that's going to convince us to be more like Lazarus and less like this rich man? What is it that will make us one of the haves in heavenly glory forever rather than one of the have-nots in the eternal fires of hell? Friends, it is grasping one essential truth that Jesus shows us here. And that truth is this. What seems to help us in life ultimately fails us in death. And what sometimes seems to not help us very much in life will never fail us in death. Let me explain. What seems to help us in life will ultimately fail in death. It's so easy to buy into the thinking that money and possessions are what can help us in life. As long as I have enough in my retirement account, as long as we have enough to afford the luxuries that we feel we need to have, we're fine. For the time being, at least, it's true that money can bring us some wonderful things to enjoy in life. But those who live their lives with hearts that are filled with a, a love for money and possessions so much that it crowds the Lord out of their hearts will eventually receive the only kind of an eternity that money can buy. And that's everlasting death in the fires of hell, separated from God and even the least of his blessings. But in, a sharp, in sharpest contrast, that which sometimes seems to offer little or no help in life will never fail us in death. That, of course, is Jesus. And the faith that the Holy Spirit has given us to trust Jesus as Lord and Savior. Now think that through. There may well be times in our lives when we're tempted to think, what's the use? 
Why should I keep on clinging so tightly to Jesus? I mean, it doesn't seem to be making my life any better. The truth is that there are plenty of people out there who are living life completely without Jesus who seem to be having much more fun and seem to have much more stuff than we have. Outwardly, Lazarus's trust in the Lord didn't seem to be doing him any good as he lived his life. How about us? I mean, I'm not telling you anything that you don't already know when I say that hearing and heeding the word of your Lord and fashioning your life around the guidance that he shares with you here in his word is not always going to make your life easier or more enjoyable. It likely won't make you popular. Today, it's more likely to make you a laughing stock to live your faith in Jesus out loud than gaining admiration and respect from other people. I mean, sometimes we might be tempted to think that living a life of faith in Jesus isn't worth it. But just look at Lazarus. My God is my help. Really, Lazarus? Because it doesn't look like it. You don't have a penny to your name. You're starving half to death. You're begging for scraps of food. The people in town, they look away whenever they come across you. You don't even have enough strength to shoo away the wild dogs coming to lick your sores, Lazarus. That's what you have to show for a life of relying on the Lord, Lazarus? Where exactly is this help that you think God is going to give you? The truth is, there's another thing that have not Lazarus didn't have. And that's the righteousness that it takes to live with God in heaven forever. So enter Jesus, the one who told this story in the first place, the one who is the ultimate contrast between the haves and the have-nots. What I mean is this, the one who held all glory from before the beginning of time, from eternity, the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord and God, who lived in heavenly glory with all power and glory and honor and majesty, became a have-not. He gave it all up. He left heaven's glory and came here to earth to become a servant for you. And the sins that were stuck to you, the one who had no sin, took off of you and put on himself. The have-not became a have he suffered and died for you, and with your sin gone, you are now, in the best of ways, a have-not. God has separated your sin from you as far as the east is from the west. And the righteousness that you don't have in and of yourself, like Lazarus, well, Jesus covered you with his. So that you, now, who were once a have-not when it came to having any hope for heaven, you have become in Christ one of the haves. You have everlasting life through faith in Christ Jesus. Don't you see, everyone in life would have labeled Lazarus a have-not, broken and destitute and starving, 
but he had an abiding trust in the Lord his God. And what seemed to fail him in life is what made Lazarus an everlasting have in heaven. But like I said, this story is told for the benefit of the survivors. We, like the rich man's five brothers, still have time, though admittedly none of us knows how much. So suddenly, the rich man now wants his brothers to be warned. Please send Lazarus back from the dead to visit my five brothers, to warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. But the response, no. They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. Moses and the prophets, Jesus meant they have the Old Testament scriptures. They have the word of God. They have all that they need there in that word. This word is our treasure. Don't build your life on your wealth. Don't bet your eternity on being a good person. That's a bet you're never going to win. Sin disqualifies us. We need Jesus, the one about whom these holy scriptures testify. Because he's the one who comes to us here in the word. And Jesus is the one who turns have-nots into haves. In Christ, we have everything. We have Jesus in our hearts and here coming to us in his holy word. We have forgiveness. We have a life that we now can live to the glory of our God. No matter what our earthly struggles or suffering may be one moment to the next, we have this abiding hope. We have the promise straight from God, a promise that he will, not he might or he could, he will work all things that we face, even the down and out times in life. He will work all things for the good of those who love him. We may not know how, we may not know when, but we know he will. In Christ we are haves. We have heaven's mansion of glory waiting for us in heaven because Jesus bought it for us with his own blood. Because God loves you in Christ Jesus and is waiting to give you that eternity as his free gift to you. Can we say it with Lazarus? My God is my help. In Christ Jesus, friend, God has provided you all the help that you will ever need. Jesus is your sin remover and your death destroyer. Jesus is your Savior. That Christ lives in your heart by faith. Don't get seduced away by the cares or pleasures or fame offered in life. Those things might look like they can be your help in life, but worldly things will absolutely fail you in the hour of death. Don't put your heart on them. Having heaven doesn't rest in how much you own or how well you lived your life or how much you suffered here. Being an everlasting have, your eternity in heaven rests in the faithful promises and declarations of the holy word of God which promises salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Friend, all that you need for now and forever you have in Christ. Remember that when you feel as though God has forgotten you and has failed to really give you anything good as of late. When you feel that way, look at the cross. All that you need 
you have in Christ Jesus. Please remember that when you're tempted to be jealous of people who have more money, more love, more prestige, more whatever than you. Through faith in Jesus Christ, you have forgiveness. You have a new life to be lived now, a life with purpose and direction. You have an everlasting life in heaven that he won for you, a mansion of glory that has your name on it just waiting for you to move in. In Christ Jesus, your precious Savior, dear Christian, you are a have forever. Amen. Amen.